Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller. I'm Susie Younger. An African-American licensed psychotherapist. I'm also a licensed therapist. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias. Anything that marginalizes and oppresses. As a white woman, I ask the questions white people are too afraid to ask. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, Susie and I will have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? We are honored to have Michonne LeBron back. His work weaves in the psychology of being perpetrated by white supremacy and the ongoing impact it has on Black people and their culture. He has asked hard questions in his work to combat the predictability of racism. Michonne has a lot to say. He's back. I'm going to turn it back over to JD to get into more detail about Spook. We are so honored to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Thank you so okay. much. So I really appreciate continuing this conference conversation. So the whole title of the film is, say the whole title. I don't want to mess it up. Spook. Okay, Spook is good. Okay, because I know that his last name was there as well. So I didn't know if that was a part of the... Oh, no, no. Yeah, his, his name is Daryl Spook Spokane. Yeah, okay, okay. All right, so... I get that it's a fictional tale. I get that. You know, I, we have to acknowledge that the situations he explains feel very real to me, to me, and I'm sure to others. Have you gotten that feedback? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've had people say that they remember when it happened. I'm like, okay. Wow. Okay. All right. And so I have then, one young lady says she was she was researching it for about an hour, you know, on Google. Wait, wait, say more about that. Yeah, a young lady who saw it reached out to a friend of mine. And she said, you know, she had been looking up, trying to research the the morning roll call massacre for about an hour on Google. And she said she just couldn't find it where exactly where it was. And I told her, I, I said, I can't really speak on it like that because that's just it's a very touchy subject. And I didn't want to touch on that. Wow. 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 Okay. So in descriptions, I'm going to give you one of the, the descriptions I've heard. Psychologically immersive with a single voice that is raging and brooding. The 60-minute film probes deep into an eye-opening wound of some of America's most live wire issues that are as relevant today as ever. I'm gonna name this as being black in a white supremacist system. I'm gonna name it as such because that's immediately what came up for me when I read that. What can you add to that? What can I add to it? Mm -hmm. The only thing I can add to it is that the word fear, mm. the word boogeyman. Mm, wow. He is the epitome of the deepest, darkest fears of, our, of America. Oof. A black man who don't give a damn mm. anymore. He doesn't care if he lives. He doesn't care if he dies. You know, it was, when you watch the film, one of the things that I've had a lot of cops and, and former police officers 
look at it. They say when they first see Spook come up on the screen, for a lot of them, now these are scary guys, you know, right, 20, 25 right. years on the street. They said it scared them. One guy said he's seen that before. He said, man, yeah, he said, you played that murderer. He was you a murderer. Were, look, you were incredible. That's, you were incredible. He said that, he said that, he was a brother, he's like, that's it right there. Mm-hmm. That, that face, that, there's no emotion there. There's no, you know, man, I'm not mm Is it emotionless? And it's a, it's a made up mind. Mm-hmm. That is the most terrifying <laughs> thing. That is America's nightmare. Yeah. And when I say yeah. America's nightmare, I mean all those that may be uh, believing in the system and the idea of white supremacy. It's also it, in the mind of those who believe in black inferiority, mm. who just like to wallow in that. Mm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, you get that going on. You, you know, so th- that's a made up mind. And a made up mind, it's just, it's going to be this way and that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. So you can give me as many Bibles as all you want. That's not gonna <laughs> my Luther King speeches. That ain't gonna get yeah, it. Ain't <laughs> you know? and, and you know, you know what I want to add there is that people will say, you know, it's easy to pathologize. You know, he's a sociopath. That's what people want to say. Mm-hmm. And and I I get that the the manifestation of all that that Spooks has been through, yeah, may end up being sociopathological. Yeah. And what's the society's responsibility for how he got there? You know, exactly. that, like where do we take responsibility for how this person became who they are? Exactly. So I have a question for you. Whose idea was it to have the film take place in Spook's execution chamber? Was that your idea from the beginning? It was a powerful decision. Yes. Yes, that was my idea. I wanted it to be a world where, you know, now you heard about all of these different states taking away the uh, death penalty. Well, yeah. Now in this world, they've brought them all back and they are being recorded live on social mm. media or on television. That was so deep. You can and actually I, watch. Listen, I'm against the death penalty. I felt this on such a deep level. It's so layered. You know, I want to discuss some of the language to get an idea of your intention versus the impact, because there's so much here. Like I said, it's so powerful. Does that make sense to you? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Good. So there's so many, but I tried to narrow it down to a few. The first thing is the beginning. You open with a quote. It's not what you are. It's what you don't become that hurts. Talk about that intention and the Well, well, what do they say? The richest place is not the bank. It's not Fort Knox. It's the graveyard. Mm -hmm. So many people die with their music and their their riches and these ideas, all this, this rich talent, you know, they go to their graves with it. They never become what they truly, truly, truly want it to become. Mm. And that brings about a lot of bitterness, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of sadness. Mm. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing this man being executed because he never really 
lived up to that idea, that goal, that dream of being that police officer that's loved by his people, that's mm. loved by the community, that's righting the wrong. Right. He's bringing in justice and going to be loved for it. I mean, he's very, very, very naive and very, very idealistic. And when it comes crashing down on him, he betrays what he said he wanted to be. He wow. betrays himself. He betrays his community. He betrays mm. his people. Mm-hmm. He betrays the country that he loves, see? Mm. That, you know, so that's, I don't want to spoil it, but that's, that's at the core of him. Well, that's at the I, core of him. Listen, I think the intention met the impact on that one. So let's check that one off. Okay, the next one. Okay, they're out of context, but I'm just pulling them out as they struck me. That is not anger. That is American. Intention intention versus impact. Yes. Yes. What was your intention? And it's not, my intention was to say exactly that. Mm -hmm. That you do this to us. See, we as Americans, we really need to stop the hypocrisy. Right. We didn't tell Native American people, hey, hey, Native American people, let's share this this land. No, no. I'm taking this land. Mm. Now, if you don't like it, you need to do something about it. And Malcolm X, come on, black man, come over here, help me build America. No, nigga, I'm taking you over there. Mm. And making you build it. In all of our wars, yeah, we talk a little bit, but that talk is very, very, very short. No, no, we move with muscle and might to get our way. The white supremacists move with muscle and might. Yes. We don't sit there and forgive you for what? You're yes. nothing not to even be acknowledged. To forgive you? You? No. You do something over here, we are going to take your head off, literally. Yes. So when he makes that statement, yeah, you know. So in the other script that I'm writing, the prequel to that, because there's actually that in the works too. Okay. You know, like, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? You hear that in the beginning of the film. Right. And it's like, he doesn't understand that question. Because anger had nothing to do with it. With these four or five particular officers. No, 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 no. He's delivering justice. He was a patriot, <laughs> okay? Going against these blue domestic terrorists, as he calls them. Mm. And he's just doing exactly what you would do to Benedict Arnold. Yeah, very, in a very American way. Yeah, that's, Absolutely. that's powerful. Okay, so the next one is, the media asked the families of Black victims if they could forgive him, but not the white families. Part of the Negro mandate is to forgive the devil for killing your babies. <laughs> yes, and that's true. That is part of the Negro mandate. You sit there and you forgive, 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 and they put these people on television, they put all these microphones under them, 
They look like a, me a mess. They're distraught. Their minds are going every which way. But you'll have some lawyer sit up here and say, no, 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 you need to say that. They're gonna get, you're going to get paid, i.e., I'm going to get paid off of your Negro misery. You get up there and sit up there and say that. You wouldn't dare find any self-respecting white family to get up there, really, to sit up there and forgive somebody for slaughtering their child who was not in the wrong, who was probably just going to school and, you know, fit a description. You know what I mean? And, you know, and then next thing you know, that child is dead. And we, I mean, you know, and we don't have to keep, we don't have to go down that road because we've seen it. Yes. We've heard it all our lives. Yes. You know we've what been, I mean? And I can tell you, I've, absolutely. I've very rarely seen a white family get up there and, and say that. I have seen white families say, no, give him a thousand years. Yeah, I hope they kill him again. Yeah, I'm happy. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'll never yeah. forgive him. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, but that's part of that, part of that, that mandate. That's part of the, the be to how to be a Negro. You, you sit up there and, and say that and, and forgive me for saying, that. I know some folks don't like that, but that's never been in my bag. And I've never looked at that as something to be applauded. It's almost in a way something I've, I've I, it makes me very angry because this is what happens to uh, people that are behind enemy lines and they're helpless. So the best I can do is just, let me just forgive. Let me forgive them. Cause what else can you do? Right. Well, you know, we've been led to believe that by forgiving, we'll experience less pain. It's not yes. true. It's not Absolutely. true. And deeply Absolutely. Deeply you know, from enslavement on this idea of forgiveness based in spirituality but we're not going to go down that Absolutely. road. We're going we're gonna to stay on the film. Okay. Right. What's worse, chattel slavery or colonization? Enslavement raped our bodies, but colonization raped our minds. Woof, man. Yes. 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 So over my time, I've interacted with a lot of our brothers and sisters from here and abroad. <clears throat> I was really heavy in the whole Pan-African uh, Pan movement, you know, when I was younger, you know. But one of the things I always noticed is just how sometimes some of our brothers and sisters from different islands or even from, uh, how they would just talk so bad about, <laughs> about Black Americans. Like, really bad. Like, here in D.C., I've gotten into many arguments with some of my brothers from Nigeria, you know, and, I, you know, and some of them, you know, we're still associates to this day, but I'm like, yo, like all this that you say, you're all lazy, you're all complain, complain, complain. I'm like, excuse me, sir, but everything that you got, you benefited from us. And I told one person, and it, me in particular, I find great offense because my father was out there in 1964 going to jail as a teenager to try to integrate a movie house so that you down the line can go to that same movie house and enjoy the picture show. Mm. And that stuff is still on my father's record right now. 
man, at 70 something years old, him being incarcerated because he's trying to get the freedom, justice, and equality that's due us as human beings, as Americans in this country. And, and some of the most awful, awful things that they would say. And I'm like, you have no right to say that because if you are so great and you're so powerful, go back to Nigeria mm-hmm. and make Nigeria just like America. Yeah. Look, so, so you know, love it so much. the immigration experience is very specific. People come here with a goal in mind. The goal is often proximity to whiteness. When that is not yes. pained, they want to blame the people who they think are the barrier. And for people, yes. you know, of which you speak, you know, Black America is the barrier because if we just, but there's a whole part of history that's missed, you know, about yes. why we don't just. And so they resent what? inheriting, you know, being perpetrated by white supremacy. And they're not aware, aware that they are a cog in the wheel. You know, and, Absolutely. and white supremacy has taught us to believe this Abs- message. Absolutely. Right? Divide, divide and conquer. Hollow divide heart. and conquer. Yes. You know, and I mean, that is an old strategy, old tactic. And that's why, uh, you know, that line is in the film. And that line is in the film to get us to think a little bit for yes. that moment. Yes. Think about it. And you know, we need to really think about like, how we treat each other, how we deal with them. It's just, I just want to emphasize the training is deep. It has to be unlearned. Like people, like the white culture has to unlearn their part. We have to unlearn what we've Absolutely. been taught by white supremacy. And I think Absolutely. that, you know, it, it's so powerful. I mean, I just want to applaud your language. It, it's so thoughtful. It's so intentional. It's so intense. I mean, blown away, truly. Um, it's, yeah, I was blown away. Okay, so at the end of the film, the gentleman says, another black man that killed and was killed. The department hasn't changed. Wow. Talk about that. Yes, that, uh, <laughs> that's uh, Mr. Glover. <laughs> Glover was actually my my mentor on the department for real. Okay, wow. And he spent 34 years on that department. I learned so much from him. And he he said he just told me he had to be part of it. And that line actually came from him. Wow. I sat him down. I sat him down. I was like, you know, I just fed him different ideas and stuff like that. I just filmed him and just let him go. Yeah, 34 years on that department. So when you hear him say uh, another black man that was killed and was killed, the department hasn't changed. That's coming from a deep experience, black experience, mm-hmm. black and blue experience. There you go. Because it wears out everybody, the black officers as well as the white officers. Right. You see some of our brothers out here dying like that. And Man. not seeing any change. Not yeah. seeing any change. Right. And not seeing any change, but but trying to act as if. That's, Absolutely. That's the burden, right? That's the Absolutely. burden. Yeah. Trying to act as yeah. if. Be one thing if you could walk around and, you know, be authentic about Absolutely. how messed up it is. It's another thing. Absolutely. Try to act as if, you know, buy into right. the Right. So in the end, 
How did you manage to have the audience be able to develop some compassion for spooks? You know, it's like if they were so, if they were, let me finish, if they were so inclined, because I want to, I don't want to make that assumption for everybody, but if they were so inclined, which I was, you know, in spite Mm -hmm. of his crimes, right? Right. It's not not this or that for me. It's this and that. So I just wanted to finish that to give people a chance to say, no, not me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, what I wanted to do, I wanted to paint a, a complete picture of not just him, but of our world. Mm-hmm. I want to give a complete picture. You know, so yeah, we're looking at him in the death chamber. You know, but in a way, I kind of felt like we were all on trial. Oof, oof, that's powerful. Okay. We're all on trial. We're all sitting in there with him. Mm. We're sitting next to him. We're sitting behind him. It's wow. one of the reasons why you kind of you I kind of show you all. Uh, man, I don't know if I said, but you see the backs of the heads of the witnesses. Mm. You don't really see their faces. Mm. Wow. You see his face, of course, but you see the backs of their heads because I don't want you to necessarily put a face with them. I need you to see your face. When you're done, you look at yourself in the mirror. Let you think about that black man that's sitting in that chair, okay? Because that's what we do. We love to sit there and watch black men die. Oh, yeah, we do. We love seeing that. We love, And the enemy loves showing it. Yeah. That's why at one point I was like, how many times are they going to show what happened to George Floyd? Mm-hmm. How many times do I need to be re-traumatized again to see him basically slowly dying like what's that about I think you, you know, know what is what's that about see it's no different than them lynching you and letting the torture go on for hours and hours and then at the end burn you at the stake or burn you while you're still your neck is in the rope and then taking pictures of it and then handing out the mailing souvenirs back home postcards of what they did to the Negro that day. You know, I don't know if you've seen this in social media, but it's an elderly white woman who's talking about a lynching she saw. And at the end, after the detail, at the end, she smiles. And Mm -hmm. so that's what comes up for me when you say that. How many times did people have to see him die slowly before they A, believed it was going to happen and B, determine whether or not it was awful enough to do something about it, which clearly nothing has changed because Patrick Loyola was just executed. So, mm-hmm. you know, as mm-hmm. if that was something that was going to be monumental and yet it's been happening our entire existence and continues to Absolutely. happen and literally no change. So that's powerful what you say. So powerful. Yeah. Okay. So again, I could go on for another hour. You have to promise to come back. <laughs> Because you have more stories. Absolutely. You have more stories to tell, and we're here to listen. Okay. Yes. Well, I really appreciate it. I, I thank you. And, you know, this type of work, we want this to get everywhere. We want everybody to see this film. And I want to continue to write and continue to give these pictures and these films and these, the poetry. I want to get it out to, to the whole world because I think it's something that the audience really 
wants, and I think it's something that the audience needs, and they will really, really be able to benefit from this work. So look, it's clear how you're changing the narrative. You don't even have to explain it. You're doing it and then some. What's next for you and where can people find your work? You and your work, actually. Well, <laughs> yes. So somebody hacked my IG account. <laughs> somebody hacked it and telling people that they can make money off of Bitcoin. <laughs> and I'm like... It's Elon Musk. I tried to get... I tried to log on to my thing and I'm like, what? What's wrong here? I'm like, what's going on? It's like, oh my God, I've been hacked. So I... <laughs> on IG, you can find me at Spook Film. Okay. Michonne LeBron is also on Facebook and Twitter, but I am going to open up a new IG account called The Real Michonne LeBron. <laughs> and I'm great. going to work on that. I'm going to work on that tonight, actually. Okay, and, uh, great. I'll definitely send you a friend re request. And, you know, because IG won't, won't give me back my account. I'm like, hey, no. that's not me. That's somebody else. And they're like, yeah, they don't nah. care. They don't care. <laughs> make, sure, make sure you text me that though, so we could put it on the promo. Okay. I will. I absolutely will. And those of you all that are out there in New York uh, at the Stewart Cinema and Cafe, Spook will be playing at their movie theater. Awesome. June 24th. Amazing. Okay? June 24th at 7 p.m. And it's going to run for seven days. Oh and yeah! I'll definitely give you. I'll definitely give you that uh, that flyer. Also, Please. put on your site. But we want all of you that are out there in Brooklyn, man, definitely come out. You'll be able to see the film on the big screen. And nice. on that Saturday, June twenty fifth, I'm doing a Q and A. I'll actually be out there, and I'll do a Q and A with the audience. So definitely come on out, Stewart that Cinema. And cafe. And That's amazing. Please make sure you get the flyer to me. I'll definitely put that out there. And absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you again, Michonne. This is so important. So well done. You're so talented. Yes. I so appreciate you, your presence, and what you're doing. I'm going to give you the thank final you. word. How do you want to sign off today? You tell me. You know, the way I want to sign off is look, uh, you know, I love to tell stories. I'm telling stories with a purpose, not just for entertainment's sake, but not to sound too mushy, but for enlightenment and to make us better human beings, you know? And I want us to think, think. I want you to go and watch these films, watch these plays, and come out with some substance that will help you transform and change your life to make it better. And that's all I'm trying to do. On my epitaph, they said, what do you want? What do you want to be said? What, you know, the greatest writer ever? The dude that was the cop? <laughs> uh, hey, look, man, just Michelle LeBron, an artist. That's all. I love it. That's all. I love it. You're a special guy. Thank you so much for spending time on this. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I got your number now. So you got to come back in the fall. Okay. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I got yours too. Thank you so okay. much for having me. I really all right. It. Right on. See you later, brother. All right. Take care. Thank sis. you.
JD and I want to thank our fabulous producers at I Am Music Group. And for all of you out there who want to do your own podcast, go to IAMMusicGroup.com and the team will hit you back. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with JD Fuller.